Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Captain's Challenge. Uh, welcome over in Western Australia. My co-host, James Sully Sullivan. How are you going over there, Sully? Yeah, very good. Good evening to you, to everybody else. Yeah, I'm going all right, mate. Yeah, we're just cruising along over here. Yeah. Bit windy, that. Bit wet. We're, 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 I haven't seen rain in WA for months. <laughs> Probably it's, um, years, it's, de- yeah. it's decided to rain. It's decided to rain. So we've got a fair bit going on now. How are you and Karen? You okay? Yeah, going well over here like everyone else, just hopefully looking forward to moving through this lockdown in phases and in particular getting the footy back on the paddock and not not long now to the NRL, what will be 23 days and and counting. So, (laughs) yeah, things are starting to look up. But uh, first things first, the the Captain's Challenge podcast, we're, we're in our fifth week and we've got two very interesting guests today and two guys who have followed quite different pathways, one who's a fair way along his rugby league journey and the other one who's really um, only only two or three years into playing the game but has already started to make a name for himself. And that would be our first guess. It's young Ronan Michael, who's a, an Irishman who has come via the Huddersfield Giants Academy and earlier this year ventured over to the Canberra Raiders under 20s. And you, you've got some... Some friends of yours in the Raiders system, Sally, who talk quite highly of young Ronan. Yeah, that, that, there's a yeah, there's um, I do have some great friends. One in particular, David Tom, and I just call him Brownie, but I've known Brownie for a long, long time, and um, he sort of um, he's been a listener of our podcast, Kim, and he said he sent me a text a couple of weeks ago, and he filled in about mate this young kid who turned up at the club this year, as you say, through the Huddersfield Giants. Uh, academy and just impressed everybody, mate. Not not only with his footy ability, but his character and his um, yeah, he's just a kid that's good to be around. So, um, unfortunately for him, that's his time at the Raiders has been cut short, as you know. He, he and he'll tell us in his story, no doubt, that he um he didn't even get to have a a proper proper competition game for the Raiders as such, but played in the preseason. So um. Mate, he's a, he's a kid when you listen to him. He's just, um, to me, um, he's got a bit of a future, I think. He's a name, as you said, what is he, 19 now, Kim? Yeah, he's um, he's 20 this year, uh, later mm. in the year, I think. But, um, yeah, he's definitely 20 this year. It was his one-year uh, window to, to be eligible for the under-20s over in Australia. So, Yes, you know, well, truly cut short by the coronavirus, but a, a very optimistic uh, and level-headed young man. And uh, we, we've spoken about it before on this show, how important those characteristics are in terms of, uh, you know, succeeding in well, rugby league. Yeah. You, you're 100% correct. And there's actually a push in the NRL at the moment to change that from the 20s to under 21s. So wouldn't that be interesting for him? <laughs> Yeah, yes, I'm sure he'd be happy if that happened. But, you know, from what he was saying in the interview, he'd jump at the chance to, to get back over there. Mm. So we, we'll cut to that first interview now, mate. Yeah, present himself very well, young Ronan, and a bit of a trailblazer, hopefully, now for, for Irish rugby league players to forge a professional career. So yeah, we'll cut to it now. Okay, our first guest for this week, Ronan Michael. Irish international who has a fantastic story to tell and we, we're very interested in, in the pathways that um, 
players follow to, to get to the top of the game. And Ronan's got a particularly unique story that we, we'd love to hear. So, first of all, welcome aboard, Ronan. Hi, mate. How's it going? Cheers for having us on. No problem at all. We, um, yeah, Sully, we have a very interesting story with, with Ronan, only a, a three-year or in his third year of playing and uh, had the opportunity this year to go over to, to Canberra Raiders and you know a few people with Canberra and before we get into his story he was uh, getting some big raps here from the people you know. Yeah he definitely was. Kim, hello Ronan, how are you mate? Um, yeah that was the, the big thing which got us to, um, I sort of said to you, I, I said do you know a young bloke called Ronan Michael and you went oh do I know him? He's obviously mixed up with you guys um, at Huddersfield as well so um yeah, mate, some good raps. He was really settling in to the Canberra Raiders style of footy, which I'm I'm going to have a chat with him about a bit later, asking a few questions. And obviously, obviously, um, it's probably one really big COVID nineteen situation we've seen really strangle a, a sportsman, isn't it, Kim? To be honest, yeah, you know, yeah. a young fella. Yeah. Getting his opportunity, but then he's been told he's got to go back home. <laughs> yeah, no good at all. But, uh, Ronan, we're we'll going right back to the beginning, mate, which sounds in terms of rugby league as though it's only uh, two or three years ago. So how did you get into the game? Were you a rugby union player before that? And how did it all begin? Yeah, um, so I used to play rugby union back in the day. Uh, growing up, as soon as I moved to Ireland, I started playing rugby union pretty much. And I loved the sport. And then. Uh, as I got a bit better at it, I wanted to make it as a pro union player. But um, I didn't make like a representative team when I was probably under 15s or 16s. So I decided to take a year out pretty much because the branch overruled that I couldn't transfer. I wanted yeah. to move clubs to try and improve and give myself the best chance really of becoming a pro. And the branch that rules over the area I'm in in Ireland just basically said I didn't meet the terms for a transfer. And because I was underage, I couldn't just move wherever I wanted, you know. Right. Just that's how it is in Ireland. Yep. So I decided to take a year out and I didn't really want to stop playing rugby, but I didn't know what my other options were because I never really heard of rugby league in Ireland. I'd only just <laughs> thought it was played in Australia and England. No, Nobody knows it's here, you know. Yep. So I was playing Gaelic football and that to keep me busy going to the gym. And then we just stumbled across rugby league. We were just looking up, we were looking up sevens, we were looking up tag, we were looking up anything, you know. We just wanted an oval-shaped ball because we were just playing Gaelic football and <laughs> yeah. we were like, we just wanted something. And then we stumbled across rugby league and we rocked up to our first session. Uh, this was in 2017. And yeah. we rocked up and we were like, oh, so what's the name of the amateur team we're going to be playing for? And they're like, no, no, you're just going to play for Ireland under 17s. And we're like, <laughs> <laughs> we're playing for our country. You know, what's going on here? <laughs> so where, where was, uh, who was that against? And where was that held? Was that a... In the UK, and uh, yeah, but what was that particular game? So, uh, yeah, so we played um, a two-game series against Wales uh, in 2017 at home and away, and uh, that was probably, like, my first real taste of rugby league. Like, prior to that, we just played a few, like, State of Origin, North versus Southern Ireland friendlies for the under-17. So that year, I think uh, the whole season was just consisted of five games a league, and that was, like, a pretty decent season for in terms of underage games under our belt, you know, like because there's not really any underage over here. So yeah. that was and those two games against Wales were like the big thing, I suppose. But yeah, the um, so from there things must have happened pretty quickly. Then uh, not long after that, you, you end up at the Huddersfield Giants with, with the academy. So how, how did that come about? 
Um, so uh, when we were playing against Wales, uh, another teammate came over from England. He was uh, with the Warrington Academy or scholarship at the time. And his uncle, Kieran Brown, seen me play. And, and uh, he basically put me put me on to Sean Follin, as you know, a, a Huddersfield. Yep. And, uh, and Sean and Andy organised for me and a few other lads to go over in 2018 and just basically for a look around more than anything else. So me and three other lads went and we got to see around the club and meet all the first team and we got to see what the academy standard was like because it was under 19s at the time so yes. we were just basically there to just see how we went and then I went back to school and went back uh, went back to just studying and going about my daily business and then I got a call a couple of days before my final exam saying listen Huddersfield wants you to come over for a trial and see how you go with their academy on trial and that was in 2018 so I was yeah. I was over the moon with that. I was like, oh, as if, how has this come about? Like, I've played five games of rugby league in my life and I'm going on trial with the Super League Academy. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they obviously went ahead with that. Did you, you hook up with, like, a, a host family to live over here? What what were the arrangements there? And, you know, that, that's quite often the, the biggest challenge for a young player moving out of home and in your case moving to a, a different country and um you know away from the family support structure so how, how did all that work uh yeah so i i got huddersfield hooked me up to stay with a family initially so i while i was on trial i stayed over with a family that they put me up with and they, yeah they were lovely people it was class really i was just on trial for the summer i suppose living get my first taste of what a professional lifestyle was like just going to training every day it was completely different to anything I was used to you know so um what what yeah that was incredible and then after the summer on trial they signed me on a year academy deal and then I moved into my own place then just had a little small flat and started living on my own independently so that was class as well I suppose just getting it was completely different from me being like an only child living with a family in Ireland in a little house to having like I suppose something to call my own in my own little space and getting a real taste of the professional lifestyle, I guess, you know, just what it's like to be living on your own as a player, making sure you're eating right and just going training. And that was something that, like, I couldn't have dreamed of just a year yeah. prior to going over. I know, like, I really am, am a fan of the the structure here at, at the Giants, but it's probably the same for the majority of the Super League clubs over here with their academies. And the, the way it's set up, we've... Um, you know, the college program or the avenues you can do there with the A-levels or B-tech and and the, the training structure where it, it really is a, a taste of what to expect if you then get a full-time contract. You know, you're basically training pretty well every day of the week um, and balancing that with, with you know, education or, or it teaches you about life balance as well. But, um, yeah, I'm a big fan. I reckon it, it's a good system where it is preparing you pretty well for, for what may lay ahead. I think the big issue here at the moment is the big gap between academy and then the next step is into a senior system. We, we, we definitely need an under-20s um, or under-21s or some smaller step in between. And and that's where the Canberra Raiders are. Uh, uh, option comes into play. I think the the Giants have done a really good job there and recognise that big gap in the RFL pathway over here. And I, I think it, it's a real issue that the RFL need to address. But as an individual club, Huddersfield have been 
smart enough to link up with the Raiders and, and offer this opportunity. And you're the first one to have been cool. given that opportunity to go over and have a year or two in an under 20 program. So, um, yeah, talk us through, I guess, how that happened, mate, and, and your reaction <laughs> when that was offered to you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the point where you are now back in Ireland. But, um, you know, what, what was the process there and was it something you had to think about or was it something you just jumped at straight away? Oh, I reckon well, he jumps. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about it. When I got to, when I got offered to yeah. go to Australia, I was like, oh, class, I ran my mind. The day it was mentioned, I said, what would you think about me going to Australia? And this was a couple of days before Christmas. She was like, what? And, but yeah, no, I, I had I had to say yes, of course, straight away. You know, it was something I yeah. couldn't even think about really. I didn't believe it was happening to me, yeah. to be honest. But I, obviously, uh, after the trial, I signed a year with the academy and, it was under 19s then. They only yes. changed it to under 18s this year. But yeah. um, I did the whole year with the academy and played played week in, week out. And then luckily enough, I got signed uh, a one-year first team deal. So I yeah. did the whole preseason with the first team at Huddersfield. Mm. And uh, I seen they announced the pathway with Raiders. And I was like, oh, I'm the age for that. That would be unbelievable. But yeah. um, the pathway was announced like a couple of weeks before Christmas. And uh, then I didn't re- really hear anything since. And then about uh, two weeks before Christmas, they mentioned it to me saying, listen, we think you'd be the right man for the job. Would you like to go? And mm. my eyes lit up. I was like, as if I'm getting the chance to do this, you know, it's yes. something like after just the journey that I've been on and how little time I've played, but I knew it would be, there'd be nothing better for me, you know, to actually spend another year playing at my own age at under 20s level. Because yeah. I, I reckon that this year, I was probably just not ready for first team yet or Super mm. League yet. I had a lot more development to go and being somewhere mm. in a good environment for at my own age, playing against people my own age would have really given me the chance to like get that step forward and get that foot in the door, you know, to come yeah. back ready to probably be a more rounded player than maybe play Super League the following year. But obviously, coronavirus didn't have the same plans as mm. I did. But <laughs> just the chance to get to go over there, you know, was just something that I was like, wow, this is yeah. surreal to me, you know. Well, yeah. Well, that's the next question I want to ask you, Ryan. And obviously, you arrive in Australia, you arrive in Canberra, and, mate, you arrive, obviously, when the bushfires are around as well, and the, the whole country was in, like, well, especially that side of the city was, a, you know, side of the country was in a danger zone as such. But then you fit in very, very well, mate. What was the big thing that you really noticed when you first got there? Well, besides the heat, um, <laughs> Uh, I suppose it was it was just a standard, really. Just everyone like mucking in and having a dig. Like these are young lads, still young players, but it was it was closer to being in like a first team environment than it was an academy. You know, it wasn't like the academy in England in the fact that these lads were getting up and going to work or doing whatever they were doing, and then turning up a training like like it was their full time job. You know, and just having a a proper real dig at it, and it was just. Just the environment, the fact that everyone's away from home and there's not near as many locals, I suppose, as like when when I was in England in an academy, that they're just so they're welcoming to you and it's just another bloke from somewhere else. Whereas like when I went over to England, it was all English lads and I'm the one bloke from Ireland. Whereas there there's people from Townsville, from Brisbane, they're all over the place. So they're mm. I suppose they're used to welcoming people from other places and because everyone's away from home, nobody's kind of with their families and as such. So everyone's getting around each other and just whether it's going to the cafe or whatever. So it's like, it was just immediately, it felt like a family to me as soon as I got involved. And 
the lads have a, they have a dig every day at training as well. They train hard as and they push you on as well. So that was class as well. Uh, but were you trying yeah. to do first squad there, right? Or was it just the under twenties or were they joint sessions? What what was the setup? Well, um, yeah, so I got to do uh I got to do one NRL session midweek and then on a Saturday usually we jump in with the skills, the skills with the NRL and then we split off into our own things. But yeah, I got I, when I did the one session it was class like and just getting getting to see what the standard of that was like. Yeah. But I suppose they were their season starts a couple of weeks before the twenty season, so I, if maybe if I was there before Christmas, I would have got more sessions. But they were kind of yep. getting ready for their season to start, and we had a bit more preseason to do. So I think that's when we split off, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. The um, who was the twenties coach there, Ryan? Uh, Ash Barnes. Yep. Okay. You know Barnes. Yeah, uh, no, he's a, he's a good bloke, this Barnes. To be fair. And the, you, you said. Oh, sorry, Kimbo. You said, Ronnie, Obviously, you you experienced the preseason in the UK. With the Giants, what was the pre? So, how was the comparison between the one at Canberra and the one at the Giants? Um, I suppose it's just the I suppose the heat and the dryness of because it's mm. Australian summer compared to English winter that definitely changes the dynamic of the preseason. Just playing it simply because it's everything's quicker, you know, the balls dry, the less balls going down in general because it's not lashing rain and then the ground's perfect perfect for playing so the pace of everything goes up the fitness gets quicker because it's dry you know you spend the first 10 rounds of Super League in, in a slog in the lashings of rain you know whereas <laughs> going, going, from, going from that you know freezing cold and rain into going into the perfect conditions to play rugby you're just like wow what's going on here you know it's completely different like a, a winter preseason in England compared to like the, the height of the summer in Australia is just a completely different mm. dynamic. Mate, you got out at the right point then because Canberra gets freezing cold in the winter. Oh, I believe so, yeah. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the boys are sending me photos saying it's colder than Ireland in Canberra. I yeah. can't believe them. I'm like, what? Uh, Kimbo, I'll tell you something. I've, I've, I've got a little bird, he tells me, that he um, obviously they, they went on a few bus trips and, you know, pre-season games. The man we're talking to now has the best playlist for bus trips, without doubt. <laughs> I reckon. They re- oh, and no. it's 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 my genre, mate. It's unbelievable and loves to sing. Is this right or what? I mean, oh, you're, not, you're not wrong there. Like I, I try to keep the playlist a bit humble, you know. But listen, if if it's been talked up, it's been talked up. Like I do like a good sing song. It's in it's in the Irish nature, isn't it? We do like yes. a little sing song. Yeah. Well, the bus driver, as you know, Mr. Mr. David Brown, Tom Brownie, of course. <laughs> he knows the crack. He knows the he good knows tunes from Brownie. He loves the song. Mate, the other little birdie did tell me, though, just to ask you about the Gold Coast girls. Oh, jeez, yeah. No, I, I won't say much, but a piece of me is still on Surface Paradise in the Gold Coast is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you did well then. Do you, how many games did you actually get in competition? Well, uh, games? Yeah. ironically enough, um, we had a boy round one, so mm. uh, we, I was due to play in round two in the Jersey flag competition, and then uh, unfortunately it got canned just before round two, like about yeah. two or three days before we were meant to play round two. So yeah. I, I was gutted about that, really, but mm. I got to play in all the preseason friendlies. Yep. So uh, that was class, but it's not it's not the same as being in competition, you know, yeah. and having points on the line, unfortunately. So we were all just 
saying typical, isn't it, that we had a boy around one, everyone else got <laughs> yeah. a game, jersey flag, and we it got canned just before we yeah. were about to start. But the the um the whole trip was almost or probably in a little bit of jeopardy as well because you you copped a injury at, at training just before you left. Um, if I remember correctly, a cheekbone. Oh. Um, oh yeah, 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 indeed, yeah, James. I actually forget about that sometimes. Yeah, just before I was meant to go, and I think it was uh, we had a Saturday session. It was like a a bit of a, a thirteen on thirteen against Halifax, and um, yeah, I remember I was in a tackle, and I was like, oh wow, my face, my face is a bit sore, but it was lashing rain and it was freezing cold, so I couldn't mm. really feel it. <laughs> and I went home uh, after that, and we had the Sunday off, and I blew my nose, and my whole face just. It blew yeah. up and oh, then yeah. I was blowing out blood and I was like, oh, what's going on here? But I kept training until the Thursday and I said to the physio, like, oh, I'm still blowing out blood. And he said, go go get a scan on it. So I went to get a scan on it and um, they were like, yeah, you, you fractured you fractured your face. And I was like, oh, as if I've been training for four days with a fractured face. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that was a bit of a strange one, all right. Like they didn't know if I could fly back to Ireland for Christmas or what was going to yeah. go on, if I'd be able to fly at all. Mm. But I went to the specialist and they said it should be all right, like as long as nothing was out of line. So I, luckily enough, I didn't get any uglier. But <laughs> You're a front rower, mate. Part of the trade. The... Oh, um, you, you've also you're a full international already for Ireland, is that right? You played in one of the yeah. World Cup qualifiers against uh, Wales, is that right? Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, I have five caps for Ireland now, so um, yeah. awesome. I played in all cool. in the World Cup qualifiers in 2018, and then again in 2019. So we've now qualified, luckily enough. Yes. And, yeah, it, it was it was a class experience, really. So uh, I'd only played like five academy games for Huddersfield when I first made my uh, my debut for Ireland so that was yeah. that was very strange and that was only my uh, second league of second year of rugby league mm, it was yeah. only 2018 so I'd only played a handful of oh. real real rugby league games and I was yeah. off to go make my Ireland debut and I just couldn't believe it, it was surreal to me yeah yeah so with uh, you know the canning of the the jersey flag and you, you've had to come back home um um, you know, just want to talk about, I guess, the next 18 months or so and some goals there. I, I'd imagine the World Cup then is a definite goal for you next year. But if Super League gets back on the paddock this year, um, you know, are you looking to come back to the Giants and try and forge your way into the squad? And then, uh, you know, next year you, you will be too old for, for the Canberra 20s, I believe. So, you know, what, what's your pathway look like from here in? In your ideal situation, how do you see the next, say, 18 months panning out? Well, I suppose first things first, once we're all through this virus, and uh, hopefully I'll be back over to Huddersfield then, and then I'll be getting mucking in there and getting involved with the first team in Huddersfield again, and I suppose just showing what I've learned. Unfortunately, I didn't get the whole year in Oz, but you can't, you can't change that now. You know, I can just show what I've learned and take it back to Huddersfield and go back in with the right attitude, I suppose, and hopefully make a Super League debut in the in the next 18 months. That's the goal. And then 2021 is the World Cup. And I suppose that's been a dream since I since I started playing in 2017, like when I first got involved in what the Ireland 17. That was World Cup year as well. So I got to I got to see all that, I suppose. And that's when I knew, listen, that's if I'm around in rugby league at 2021, I said, listen, I want to be playing in that World Cup. So I yeah. I guess the goals are to make a Super League debut and play in 
playing a World Cup and then take it from there. Unfortunately, as you said, um, I'm going to be too old for 20s after all this blows over. But yeah, you can't dwell on that. You know, I'm lucky to be still involved with Huddersfield and have been given the pathway. And now I can come back and show that I've made use of it and take my knowledge back and hopefully get a crack at Super League at some stage and then obviously show that I'm ready to play in a World Cup on the world stage for Ireland and yep. hopefully we'll do well in that. Absolutely, mate. And I'll tell you what, the experience you had at the Raiders is obviously something you've bottled. You can tell in your voice. It's just um, you've only been playing league for three years. It's quite incredible. But what you learn at the Raiders and obviously what you've learned at the Giants so far, geez, it's going to take you a long way. You'd love to go back and play in the NRL one day, wouldn't you? Oh, that that would be that would be the that would be the dream, honestly. Like I'd I'd be the first Irish bloke to play since Brian Kearney, and like mm. uh, it's it's huge it's huge boots to fill, really, when you think about it. But I try not think of it like that, you know. I just think, listen, I'm flying the flag high for my country, and I'm just trying to trying to do the best I can. And I suppose as, as of right now, the NRL is like the greatest rugby league on earth, and you want to put yourself against the best players, you know. If you don't want to do that, why in it, you know? You want to yeah. you want to be playing at the highest standards, and that's. I'd love to go back over. I love the lifestyle and I love the blokes over there. So it'll be great to get back over there at some stage in my career. And fingers crossed, anyways. Yes. Well, give Kimbo, did you yeah. coach Brian Carney at um, schoolboy level, the combined affiliated states team? Did you coach no. Brian Carney in that team? I don't don't remember him because um, he was in Darwin, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I didn't know if he was. No, I didn't yeah. didn't think he was. I it could be. Could yeah. be um, yeah, I thought he played an NT, maybe not. But, you know, it's been nearly mm. 20 years since we saw him in the NRL, so we're overdue, Ronan, for for another Irishman. And, um, you know, like you are a trailblazer in, in many respects um, with, you know, taking that opportunity up, up in Canberra. And I'm sure, the, you know, it's first of many from the Giants that will do that. So although it hasn't worked out, Ideally for you, you you were still there, mate. You you did it. You've taken the first steps, and uh, yeah, your journey so far has been a very interesting one, mate. And we're going to be watching watching it with uh, great interest from this point on. Mm. And, uh, I'll, I'll be um, on hand to watch it uh, very closely, mate, at the Giants. So just looking forward to the yeah, point or to the time where we can all get back on the training paddock, and hopefully it's not too far in the future, but. Thanks for your time. Um, oh, really appreciate well, well, yep. oh, right it. Well. I appreciate it. Yeah, Sully's got right something there. for you first, mate. Right You're... there. <laughs> Everyone's got to do this. This is a young one. I'm looking forward to this. So you got a young fellow we have. 60 seconds with Sully. You ready, Ronan? All right, let's go. Question, <laughs> question one. Your favourite holiday spot? Uh, Gold Coast. <laughs> favourite other sport? Gaelic football. What can't you live without? Irish milk. <laughs> Greatest influence on your life? There he is, Sonny Bill Williams. No, I just saw him in the background. Favourite food? Oof, Jay's steaks, I'd say, or my mother's roast dinner. <laughs> oh, lovely. Favourite non-NRL rugby league competition and a team from that comp? Longhorns in Ireland. Yes, Longhorns in yes. Ireland. Let's go. <laughs> Good boy. If you were down to your last fifty dollars, how would you spend it? Oh, learned well. Slap on the pokies. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for spending sixty seconds with Sally. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs>
Nice work, mate. Well, we wish you all the best, mate. Thanks for being a, a guest on the Captain's Challenge podcast. Uh, as I said, we'll, we'll certainly be watching with interest, right? And you hopefully got a, a massive 18 months ahead of you, culminating in the World Cup next year. And we can't wait to see you plying your trade out on the field. So we wish you all the best and thanks for being on our show. Cheers, mate. Hopefully see you soon back in Huddersfield. Yeah, definitely. Thanks very mate. much, Ryan. Yeah, he spoke very well there, Sally, didn't he, Ronan? An impressive young man. And, um, yeah, I'm of the same belief as you that there's a future uh, in the game for him if he continues to head down the path he's been on. So, uh, yeah, I'd love the the um, the fact, you know, he put, he put himself out there, got out of his comfort zone. He's only 18 and has moved, left home to, to come to another country um, and try and forge a career in it in a sport that was only one or two years old you know, to him. Oh, it's amazing, actually. And I just want to pull up a point there. I got yeah. my nations mixed up. Yes, with Brian Carney. Brian Carney's Carney an Irishman, and the bloke you had something to do with was a bloke called James McManus, who's yes. obviously a Scotchman. A Scotchman, so I, yes. I did, I did mention that during it, but, um, yeah, I did get my um, – Nations tied. So before people start texting in and saying, <laughs> Sully, you're buffed, I'm, I'm quite kick. I'm quite, you know, I'm very, very good at giving myself an uppercut any time yeah. of the day. Yeah. <laughs> they were both at Newcastle. So, you know, you can be forgiven Correct. there. And they were both on the wing. So, yeah. Um, but, but one of the things there I just wanted to bring up to me, the, the fact that Huddersfield Giants have forged this partnership with the Raiders and the fact that Ronan you know, went over to, and he mentioned it a couple of times, to stay in his own age group. That's a really important thing. And to me, it's a current flaw in the system over here and the pathway we have in the UK at the moment where the yep. academy is now under 18s and then the next contract is a senior contract. There's nothing in between. Even if that's a reserve grade contract, um, it's still senior footy. And, for a front rower, very hard to know whether they're ready and whether they're going to make it at all as an 18 or, or even a 19-year-old. So have that opportunity now through the Huddersfield Giants pathway via Canberra to, to have one to two years where you can go over and stay in your own age group. For a young front rower to have that opportunity to develop more physically and mentally, um, and then we get a better understanding of where he's made to, to play Super League, and he gets a better understanding of his own capabilities. I think uh, that's a, a very important point, and I, I would like to think the RFL and the people over here running the game and have a look at the current pathway because just you know, my belief it's not quite right at the moment. We're missing a really important step in the development of these young men and. If we've got to yeah. throw them straight into the ring at twenty year, at 19 years old, then uh, it's going to hurt more careers than it's going to help. Yeah, 100%. Kim, you're in charge of the Huddersfield Academy now. Yeah. Um, am, I, am I wrong or right? Have you had much to do with Ronan? No, because well, I started here on the 1st of December. So, yeah, they were yeah. already a, a month in the pre-season then and Ronan had been obviously heavily involved in that. So there was only a couple of weeks there where we were both here at the same time before he, right. he left and yep. before we had the Christmas break and he left. And uh, 
So I, I, I think I met him once, but what I do know, I watched every video of him from uh, the 2019 season when, you know, I got signed to, to coach the academy here. I obviously did uh, my homework and watched every game in there. So he was a player who was a front rower playing very close to 80 minutes every week, and he was a standout mm. in that competition. Uh, uh, and then what was it, his second year of, of rugby league? And uh, so sometimes, so, you know, starting at a later age and coming into a system where you're instantly getting good coaching very early in your career can be a, a good thing. It means you haven't picked up the bad habits that sometimes come through, you know, when, when you're playing for years and you're getting – and no disrespect to, to coaches, but you're just getting, you know, the, someone's dad coaching you at community club level who's doing it. Oh, 100%. Because no one else sort of will. And, you know, if you're not to, taught to pass properly or run the line correctly, practice makes permanent. So if you're taught the wrong thing for eight, nine, ten years coming through June, then it's very hard to break those habits, um, those bad habits, when you get into the higher level. So... Yeah, you know, Jordan Pereira was a good example. A couple of weeks ago we interviewed, didn't really yep. start playing till 20 and, you know, at 23 is an NRL player and Ronan could be very similar. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's learnt the right way very early in his career and it's obviously served him well so far. So, well, um, yeah, I, good luck mate, with the young I, I can, And I can guarantee you he'll be welcome back at the Raiders with arms open. And that's that's not just football field. That's just being not a dickhead, yeah. just being a good kid doing yeah. what he's told. And he's very, very well respected amongst everybody at the Raiders Football yeah. Club. So that's very, very good. Yeah, it's a credit to, to him. But our main subject today, I've been reading during the week, um, you know, how the, the season everywhere uh, for the 2020 is changing and you know, things are getting pushed back and, uh, representative things in particular. I wanted to focus on that. So we'll just talk Australia initially with the state of origin. And state of origin now is going to be at the end of, of the season after the grand final. And, you know, some media outlets are talking up the prospect of that then becoming where it sits permanently on the calendar. Now, I'm very much against that because I'm a big um, fan of expanding the game internationally and the best way to do that is to put the international level of the game uh, at the forefront of what we're doing so state of origin is state state level state versus state it should not be the pinnacle of our game yet you know in australia it's far too often um, put on that pedestal as the highest level of the game where Test football should always be the pinnacle. Representing your country should always be a greater honour than representing your state. And I think at times we've pushed the state of origin envelope in Australia at the expense of the international level of the game. And also just the domestic competitions. You know, I think NRL coaches and clubs and probably the same with Super League, um, they invest that much in their playing roster that they want um, the club to be the focus and they don't want to lose players to representing football and the the chance of injury, you know, may rule them out for a season or whatever it may be and it's the club that loses out. But I think 
without the international level of the game, I don't think we have anything to be proud of. We've, we've got to promote the growth in the game via the international stage. So well, I just want to talk you, about that, yeah, and, and get your thoughts I nearly on brought, it. Mate, I nearly brought it out. I nearly, it's just sitting here next to me. What's that? The soapbox. Oh, yes. I nearly brought this. I nearly brought the. You nearly got me. You nearly got me rudely interrupting you yeah. with the side box because I tell you something now, kid, which yeah, has right. got to be sorted here before we get any more. I could not believe it last week, and I know Kevin Walters has got to do a job. He's yeah. a Queensland coach, yeah. and he's got to promote Origin. And he's going, how wonderful it's going to be. We're going to have Origin will be so good. We're going to have players in form. Kevin, Kevin, are you telling me all your players will play finals football? You're a buffhead. Some of your players might not have played for five to six weeks. Yeah. You know, seriously, seriously. Yeah. We, okay, this year is totally different. If it happens, it happens. That's great. But you cannot, cannot tell me that the, what have we got, 26, 34 players, 34 players, Playing Origin in November, Kim. November. Yep. yep. Will have all played finals footy. No, they won't. Yeah. No, that, that's for sure. And the the problem with Origin at that time of year, not only that, I, I guess, yeah, you know, if you're playing a Test match or international footy, then some players are going to be in the same boat who haven't played finals. But if, if we play Origin in November, when do you play Test footy? There's no window. You can't go playing in December. We have really one week off during the year um, at the end of April, early May, where they play Antec Test and other other representative football. But that, that's really it. And then you have Origin, but we don't have time off. Well, we have one week off for that in the middle of the year. Kim, Kim, it's farcical. International Rugby League is farcical. It's the biggest joke when you talk to people. And I, I'm not going to mention the other word, but I, I tell you what, you've been living in the UK for two years now. I lived there a few years ago, or back in the 90s, playing the old, the red ball, yep. right? Playing cricket. And, mate, back then it was called Five Nations Rugby. Yep. And it stopped the country. Yeah. It stopped yep. everybody. Now yep. it's called Six Nations. And, yep. and you've, you've witnessed it, mate. Yeah. Mate, you could you could rob how many houses every day? It's off. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's yeah. what you're trying to get. Yeah, I, I think we've got a great opportunity um, here, right here, right now. Uh, after this year, so Oregon, okay, yeah. it's already locked in. So next year's a World Cup year, All right? So let's get on a four-year cycle beyond the World Cup. Start locking the things in place, and this, and I know they do to an extent, but this is what. I think could really work that. Coming out of World Cup, okay, so year one, we're talking about this four-year cycle, okay? So year yep. one, you can get, have, um, you, you play within your own region, okay? So Northern Hemisphere teams, UK, we've, we've got France, we've got Wales. Uh, you know, England might be a little bit ahead of them at, at the moment, but the only way for Ireland. other nations to Ireland as up, well. Yeah, Scotland. You know, there, there's plenty of evolving and emerging um, nations over here in rugby league. So, and the same in the Southern Hemisphere that, you know, Australia's playing New Zealand where we've, we've, um, Tonga's emerged, you know, we've got Fiji, we've got Samoa, we've got Cook Islands. So cool. the year one out of the World Cup 
could be, yeah, play within your own region. Year two out of the World Cup, I'd love to see your Six Nations. Love to see it. Now, you could do it on a, a bit of a cycle where one year, so on that four-year cycle, let's say we have a, a Southern Hemisphere Six Nations where it's Australia, New Zealand, Tonga, there's three, Fiji four, PNG five, all mm -hmm. extremely competitive. Fiji are going to kick off with this uh, team in the New South Wales Cup oh, competitions. They're, they're 100%. Emerging, and they've already been great. They've made the semi-finals the last two World Cups. So, um, And then uh, maybe your sixth team is a, has qualified from the year before, from the year one of this four-year cycle. So Cook Island... Um, uh, who else we got in there? It's lost me paid for a second. Um, Cook Island, Samoa. Cook Islands. Yeah, Samoa. Samoa yeah. Oh, maybe Samoa for sure. Maybe they're playing off for the sixth spot in the in the Six Nations. Okay. And then um, your, your third year again, you're back playing in your regions and they're basically your, your warm-up, I guess, games for the next year's World Cup. All right. The, the next four-year cycle, maybe you take the Six Nations then to the Northern Hemisphere and, yeah, New, New Zealand, Australia probably got the financial backing to be involved over there. Um, I'm not, not sure if, you know, the other nations would be financial enough to, to get over to the UK. For, but you then have UK and France. So all, already we've got four teams. And then your other two teams have qualified. So you've got Wales, you've got Scotland, you've got Ireland, whoever you want to make up the 16, or maybe it's just the five nations up there. doesn't matter. So that means uh, um, you have this opportunity to grow the game on both sides of the, the globe, Northern Hemisphere mm. and Southern Hemisphere. You know the cycle. There's an opportunity for a new team or new teams to qualify for that six nations, you know, just the bottom one or bottom two teams. Um, yeah, which shouldn't necessarily be locked in each year who are the fifth and sixteenth in, in that cycle. But to do that, what we need is a bit of give from the NRL and the Super League. We need the NRL and the Super League to shorten their seasons. We need to be finishing mid-September instead of the first or second week of October. October. So if we finish yep. the mid-September... Everyone has a week or two off, and then you start your international series the last week of September, and you play all through October, and there's a five- or six-week window then for the international footy. And players are still then finishing at the end of October, maybe the first week of November, and you get an off-season to an extent, and then we're back into it. What it would need would be the NRL, to go from a 25-round competition back to a 21 or 22. How do we do that? 14 teams in the comp. Get this uh, – 16 teams, sorry. Get the conference 16. system going. Two 18 conferences. You play everyone in your own conference twice at 14 games and then play the other conference once, another eight games. It's 22 rounds. Straight away, we've knocked three weeks off the competition instead of finishing – the first weekend of October, we're finishing the second weekend of September. And that gives you your, your valid um, international window for a five- or six-week yeah. competition. And the same with Super League. 
Mate, 29 rounds over here, plus Challenge Cup. We we started on the 30th of January and was scheduled to finish on the 10th of October. Ridiculous. It's outrageous. It's too much footy. There's 12 teams in the comp. Why not play each other twice? 22 rounds. You've still got time to do your challenge. Hear that one more time, please. I want to hear that that one more time. I want outrageous. Outrageous. Louder, yeah, right. louder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every player I talk to over here believes the competition is too long. Every player, without oh. fail, they all tell me the same thing. Yeah, we, we've, we've got some club CEOs coming out and saying to get the season back on track here, we should play three, team, three games a week and you might have to use your reserve grade or academy players to do that. You cannot oh. throw an academy 18-year-old kid in the Super League because we need to catch up some games. Where is the player welfare mentality? It's completely missing from some of the people with power, seemingly, over here. I I don't get that at all. And I know Simon Wolford, that Huddersfield Giants coach, he's coming out against the suggestion of doing three games a week. I 100% support him on that. Um, Mm. He can't do it. Why, you know... I'll get the Super League to 14 teams in the franchise system like I spoke of a week or two ago. Even then, it's 26 games instead of 29, and you're still knocking three weeks off the season, and we can we can finish earlier. But if 12 teams is a go, I think 22 teams plus 22 rounds plus finals plus Challenge Cup games, it's the perfect season. We're, it's sitting Man. right in front of our noses here. But we've, we go on this 29-game marathon season plus Challenge Cup and the players, they look tired at the end of it. So let's oh, sacrifice. And I understand that, you know, the powers that be will say we need the money from the TV revenue. Well, we'll lock in the international season in the TV deals and that's your extra games and that's the extra income and divide that evenly yeah. and grow the game. Grow the game and do it with a common-sense approach and imagine if we can get a Six Nations going, and it, even if it's only every four years, as I said, and um, in the, every other year, the year one and year three of that cycle, we're growing the game within our own regions. And all these Pacific nations are getting the opportunity to play each other and play the New Zealands and play against Australia and improve themselves. And the same's up happening up here in the north. And, you know, that's the only way Wales and Ireland and Scotland will catch up to England and make it a much more attractive game at the, at the international level. I'll tell you one thing. I was, I was just going to ask you that question about you talk about um, Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Mate, they're not far behind France, are they, to be honest? No. no you know, France aren't the power that they were you know, 30, oh, no way, 40, no. 50 years ago, but exactly. I think they're, they're on the on the right track, you know, and having Catalans mm. in the in the Super League definitely helps. There's a strong domestic competition. We've got we've got Toulouse in in the Championship, who are very strong. They've, they've been close to promotion right. the last few right. years. Um, yeah, the the talents there and the massive rugby talent pool across both both forms of the game. And if there's a more mm. attractive pathway um, to international rugby league, then you'll have more players. Swapping codes and wanting to get on board. That's how it works. That's why I asked you. Yeah, that's why I asked you. I was just going to say, mate, if um, Karen knocks on the door, she's just bringing up your blood pressure tablets. Yeah. 
I've, um, <laughs> I've just texted her and said, can you take him up? He's just about to settle down now. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty passionate. <laughs> no, mate, mate, yeah. yeah, but what you're, what, what you're saying is 100%, right? Yeah. I'm really interested to see this draw for the NRL. Yes. This revamped season. Mm. That, to me, will solve a lot of problems. As we know, they're all playing each other once, and then we're having rivalry round the last month, five weeks, isn't it? So we're, we're, yeah, five, we're having rivalry yeah. round. So now that's probably similar to what you're talking about. That's, yes. It, it, you know, I don't mind that. I do like the conference suggestion, though. That's very, very good. Yeah, well, I think it could work. And it's not too much difference to what the NRL does at the moment in that not everyone mm. gets to play everyone twice. It's That's correct. one and a half rounds pretty well. So yeah. what, what's the difference in playing people in your conference twice and then the other half of the competition once? It, it, it's no different. So um, I just think it works better and it, it's a shorter competition and um, yeah, open up the window for international footy. It's where we've got to be. Um, yeah. Anyway, my well, thoughts, I, mate. Yeah. mate. Mate, but as we said, you, you look at – you look at the, you know, we don't talk about the other code very often, but you look at Six Nations and how successful it is, Yeah, you know, you've seen it firsthand. Yeah, yeah it's a great product, yeah. yeah. Probably time to go into our second interview. And, uh, this week, Beretta Faramo, current Hull uh, or current winger at, at Hull FC, is going into his third season there. He's, he's been a, a mainstay in their their top team since he came over here. A, a player I've uh, got some great memories with. His, his sort of first um, break into semi-professional footy was at the Mackay Cutters, and I, I had the pleasure of coaching him and enjoying uh, winning a premiership with him there. So he's mm. um, he's a quite a character uh, Beretta. He was a weapon on the field, and it was always his character, the, the silent assassin, right? He didn't say much, but... Um, one of the most powerful ball runners I've, I've coached. And uh, it was no surprise for me to see him go on and uh, get an NRL contract at the Eels and now mm. end up over here in the Super League where he's doing really well. So we might and, cut it And two World Cups. Yes. Two World yeah, Cups again. Yeah, you know, for the United States. So. Yeah, it's not too many players who, who can uh, claim that. And, uh, yeah, played no. you know, at the professional level in, in three different countries, in Australia, New Zealand, now over here in the UK. So he's got a good story to tell. We'll, we'll cross over to him now, Beretta Faramo. Okay, really pleased to have our second guest on for this episode, and that's uh, Beretta Faramo, currently over in Hull with uh, Hull FC. Welcome aboard, Beretta. Cheers, man. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, mate. Our pleasure. We're, um, if we go back uh, seven years or so now, it seems to have gone really quickly, but uh, it was a, I was um, very glad to be part of your journey so far, and we, we managed to win a premiership at the Mackay Cutters in the, the Queensland Cup. But uh, we'd like to start at the beginning and go right back to your earliest days of rugby league. And uh, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that, mate, junior clubs and when you, when you first started playing? Yeah, man. Um, so uh, my journey started um, back in a small town called Porirō in Wellington, in New Zealand. Yep. Uh, I started playing rugby about uh, when I was about ten years old, and um, 
yeah, the little town I grew up in, or oh, majority of New Zealand was uh, mostly rugby union. Yes. So uh, I sort of grew up in a family where we had to go to church on Sundays, and uh, rugby union was played on Saturday, and rugby league was played on Sundays. Yep. And man, I didn't like going to church to be honest. So <laughs> the only way my dad would let me play is if like you're playing a sport on Sunday. Yep. That's what sort of got me Robin. playing. So that, that was your way out of church. Yeah, yeah. The team I used to play for was um, <laughs> it was called um, the St George Dragons. Yeah, nice. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, what what position did you play growing up? Coming up through the juniors. Man, I was about from ten years old till about sixteen. I was a hooker. <laughs> Were you really? Yeah, I was. I, I used to be a hooker and like all the other uh, island boys over there, I was probably the smallest yeah. compared to all of them as well. And, yeah, if I wasn't playing hooker, I was chucked out on the wing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like back then it was nothing serious. Like, yeah. It was just, yeah. Yeah, just having a bit of fun. Did, did you make any of the local rep teams coming up through the age groups over there or, you know, school rep teams or, or club? Rep teams? Uh, I did, but not for rugby league. I was, um, I had a little push with rugby union once. Yep. And um, yeah, I was playing for the school, and I grew up playing, like the rep teams, just the age grade for Wellington. Yeah. Yeah, under sixteens, eighteens. I can imagine that would have been pretty uh, high quality, a very large pool of players playing the game yeah, uh, yeah. over there. So, yeah, definitely a, a good achievement even to make that. Uh, when did you start to get serious, Beretta? And then, uh, yeah, how did you end up then um, in Mackay? I, I believe um, you made your own way over there to, to try and get an opportunity. So how, how did that come about? And how old were you at that point? Uh, I was about... Hmm. Man, I was I think I was about twenty. Yep. I was um I was about like just a a little bit before that, I was about eighteen years old and I was playing for um for we had an under eighteen Wellington team. It was like our sort of New Zealand version of uh, what do you call it in Australia? Harold Metz. Yeah, yeah, Harold Metz yeah, so, the 16s yeah. and SG Ball. Oh, SG Ball, yeah. SG Ball. Mm, so yeah. we had a little uh, New Zealand competition um, yep. that was played at the back end of uh, every season. Yeah. And um, from there, I made it to the New Zealand under-18s team. Yep. And, yeah, even there, I wasn't taking anything serious. Yeah. Uh, yep. I wanted to take it serious, but I didn't know how to go about it. Yes. Like, I did not know anything about agents or I just thought if you were good enough, some will come and tap you on the shoulder. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you go through the whole under 18s team who made it that year. And I was probably the only one who didn't push on to go under 20s. Yeah. Who, who were some of the guys in that team? Uh, we didn't have any games. It was just a team that was oh, okay. uh, yeah. named. And, yes. But there yeah. was um, some good players in there. Uh, I don't. There was a guy who used to play for us, um, Ellery Wilson. Yep. Okay. Um, Ava, you know Ava. 
he was uh he's at Leeds now. Yeah. Even because yeah. he was at the Sharks. He was only a young boy too back then, playing yeah. under 18s yeah. and yeah. Yeah, guys like them. And yeah. Hey, from from there, um a couple of years later then at, at 20, you you packed up your bags and you came over to, to Mackay and uh so what prompted that? Did did you have an agent by then or was it or was it your idea or how how did that happen? So um yeah, the next couple of years um just still playing at home and I had a few trial runs with um the Warriors under twenties. And yeah, that didn't go too good. And um yeah, it was it was the year I was turning um twenty one, so I was too yeah. old to play twenty. So we had a we had a coach back in New Zealand, um his name was Trevor Clark. Yeah, I've heard the name. And yeah. um he, he told he there was a group of us, um he told us he had a mate who was going over to Mackay to coach one of the local teams. And yeah, there was about four boys in Wellington, all packed up our bags and moved over to Mackay, hoping to, you know, push our way through the back door some somehow. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. where our Mackay journey started. Yeah, that, that was so, this Kim, was this before you got to Mackay? Yeah, so that that was um I think a year be, before I got there, maybe even two years. So that that's probably about two thousand and eleven. Beretta, would yeah. that be yeah. right? Yeah. And you, yeah. you linked up um, with Mitch Club in the local league to West? It was uh, West, yeah. Yeah. West. So, yeah, very strong local league. And, of course, you know, it's the feeder system into the Mackay Cutters um, in the Intra Super Cup. So you, you had a pretty incredible year in that local league from um, um, from all reports and scored a heap of tries. And you, you caught the eye then of, the then Cutters coach, who was uh, Anthony Thibault, who's of course now gone gone on to coach um, the Broncos. So, um, it, you know, did he personally come and talk to you and invite you down to training? Is that how how that happened? Yeah, yeah, um, that that was a funny story um, in <laughs> itself. Um, back then, we used to work in uh, the boys that I lived with. We used to work in the mines. Yep, and um, it was about mid-year. Man, like about June or something. Yep. And yeah, it was just one of those weekdays. Um, as hot as it gets up there, me and some of the boys went to the pub for a bit. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and um, all great things. Yeah, I saw. Pub, right? <laughs> I saw. Um, that's when I met Seeds at the yeah. pub. Yeah. And he came up to me and asked me if um, like he he told me um, he was the coach of uh the cutters and how much I've been doing good in the local leagues and yep. if I was happy to come and train and hopefully get an opportunity to get a game somewhere and yeah that's where man that's when I just jumped on board pretty yeah. much. You're, well, you're well also, straight away Kimba I'll tell you something though straight yeah. away Beretta must have felt how good is this the yeah. cutters coaches in the pub as well so <laughs> he's very relaxed this is going to be great fun. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it, it you ended up playing um, rep footy for the for the Bush Rangers that year as well. Is, is that right? Yeah, yeah. For um, yeah, that Queensland Rangers team. Yeah, yeah, Queensland yeah. Rangers. So um, yeah, good standard there. And you would have played then the, the New South Wales um, rep team. I forget what they call them at that 
level. But, um, and then that, that's your pathway then into 2012 and, and you're, you're playing for the gutters. Uh, what's your, your memories, or I guess, of that th first season at that level? Uh, yeah, that was a big eye-opener for me because um, playing playing rugby was the was the easy part. It yeah. was um, that's where I sort of learned the consequences of all the you know the nutrition and yeah. all yeah. the training and yeah. the my first I played so I played half of the year um, for Mackay in 2011. In 2012, uh, man, I must have got a handful handful of games before he dropped me but that yeah. was all like that was all from the man i was putting on weight yeah yeah i didn't like didn't know what to do. I, I, I never like knew any yeah. education side of the nutrition yeah. part or and yeah, yeah that's what I so, so where i sort of had to learn and hmm. get a lot of that yeah you're right you know so much of it's about discipline i'm assuming you were still living with your mates at that point, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, the diet, yeah. the diet wouldn't have been great. I can imagine all the boys yeah. living together. So it's so much a part of it, isn't it? Getting everything right off the field then enables you to get things right on the field. And yeah, you can't do one without the other. So um, that's a good point, mate. And uh, then 2013, and uh, it's when I, I made my way up there, and we. We had an incredible season, mate, just something, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that uh, um, it was a great bunch of blokes there and a very talented team. And uh, what, what's your memory to that season? It was obviously a pivotal one for you because the following year you, you got picked up uh, by Parramatta with your first NRL contract. But, you know, let, let's talk about 2013. Yeah, what, what's your memories of that year in the Premiership? Um, yeah, it was pretty good to be involved in. I don't know that. No, nah, yeah, that 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 year was um, pretty pretty much the year that made me. Yeah. Um, I remember a one on one sit down with you. Yep, it, it just dropped out a little bit there, mate. So yeah, so um, um, yeah, one on one meeting. That, that's what we picked up there. Yeah, and um, yeah, what I got from what I remember, I got from that meeting is that uh. When I was working in the mines, I was making trainings real late in um, 2012. Yep. So, like, for us to have a real, for me anyway, personally, to have a real good push that year was to, I had to change jobs and the money mm -hmm. I was getting at the mines was mm -hmm. real good. So yes. I had to, like, you know, readjust of, readjust my lifestyle to my yep. goals that I wanted to achieve. Yep. So I mm -hmm. got a new job. Uh, and yeah, I could make all the trainings, and yeah, that year was yeah, magical. Mm, yeah. You remember, like me, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're even listening to you now. That sounds like 2013 really developed the man you are now in your career. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, I agree. Yeah. Mm. The, the thing that you had. There was, um, yeah, we knew we had a fair bit of talent in that team, but for some reason, all across the season, we, we weren't rated highly by people around. And, the, you know, even I remember at the QRL presentation night, which is after the first week of the finals, and we'd been beaten by Beats pretty comfortably in that first week of the finals. And 
I remember that the so-called experts had a panel up on the um, the stage at the QRL presentation <laughs> night, and out of the four teams left in the competition at that point, not one of them tipped us to go any further than the following week. And, um, <laughs> and we, of course, we you know we went on and I just remember thinking, and there was a message that was passed on to the boys consistently that, you know, we've flown under the radar all year and let's just sort of get this job done. And even going into that grand final, we were ranked outsiders. But, but you look at those two team lists, Beretta, on, on grand final day, and um, the amount of guys that were already playing NRL or had been or have gone on to play NRL or Super League, that both teams were stacked. And and you look at our team, um, yourself and Khalifa, Fi Lower on the wings, David Milne, Michael Morgan in the centres, um, Matt Minto in the halves, went on the following year to play Newcastle, you know, Sam Hall, Anthony Mitchell, Tyson Andrews, front row, all played NRL. Um, you know, Jardine Babongi, our, our captain, um, was just short of the NRL prior to that. But, uh, yeah, the list goes on and on. And then Pete, you know, we're, we're very much the same. And, you know, Junior Sow, Ben Hampton, Mahe Fanua, one of your teammates now. I'm sure yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Mitch Garbett, who's been over here now for years. Uh, Kenny Bromwich. Um, yeah, the list goes on and on. Tim Glasby, you know, State of Origin. Yeah. So, you look at that competition and in particular that, that game, it, there was some phenomenal talent on there. And, uh, yeah, we, we were good enough to get the job done on the day. But it, it's sort of interesting. You played against Mahi on that day and here he is back back at Hull and now a, a teammate of yours. Have you, have you ever brought that up with him, mate, and rubbed it in a little bit? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We laugh about the um, that that um, grand final, Dave, especially because he keeps bringing up when they smashed us in the yeah, yeah. game before that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, he's done well, mate. Is he still um, sporting the, the mullet? Yeah, man. It's man. It's <laughs> getting a bit out of control, but man, that's him. That's yeah, that's yeah. Him. I, I had uh, I coached Mahi back in the eighteenth the, the storm as well, so he's a quality guy. We'd love to get him on this show, actually. So um, might get you to help me out with that. But uh, but uh, yeah, going on from that, uh, as we had a number of players after that grand final win, then pick up NRL contracts for the following year, and you you were one of the first of those guys. So on the Parramatta, you, you had um, a few years there with fifteen games in, in total. Yeah, well, what was the big change there? How did you find that um, transition from you know, semi-professional at, at the Cutters to straight into the professional ranks? Another really big change for you. How, how did you cope with that? And uh, you know, the move to Sydney, some big changes in your life. Yeah, um, it was. Um, I would say it was one of uh, the hardest. Yep. To you know, not grow up in a full-time system like that. Mm. Mm. And, um, yeah, to experience it myself, like I always knew it was going to be hard work, but, man, I didn't know it was going to be that hard. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, all I, all I was just thinking back then was, you know, one step at a time type of uh, yep. 
in terms of everything, the, the hard trainings, then the games, and yeah, and yeah, there was um during that time there was a lot of good times and a lot of uh, lessons learned. Yes. And, yeah. yeah, you you were up and down a little bit, but but whenever you went back to New South Wales Cup, you you played extremely well, and it, you know you obviously went back with the right attitude. But uh, um, may correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you're the top try scorer in the New South Wales Cup for at least one year, and you made made the New South Wales um, residents and uh, and the team of the year as well. I think so. Uh, is that right? If I got that right. Yeah, yeah. Um, 2014, I, I think I was, I think I was those. Um, there was a time, yeah, 2014 when I got um, actual the New South New South Wales Cup Player of the Year. Yeah, mm. and yeah, that was a that was a massive for me. To be yeah. honest, I wasn't even expecting. Yeah, like that. Yeah, right. That's phenomenal. You um. We'll when, never forget his debut, Kimbo. Yeah, that's we'll what I was never about asking. NRL debut. Yeah, can you talk <laughs> us through your NRL debut? And did, did you have family there? Was it at home? Who was it against? And I believe you got a couple of meat pies. Yeah, that that day was uh, that week actually was a uh, <laughs> was very uh, man. I still pinch myself. Um, yeah. What happened to me that week? It was uh, <laughs> yeah. I was training. You know, when you the first great team train and then you're training on the others like sort of the opposing team yeah and then yeah he told me to jump in the uh, in the first team and he just told me just to to stay on board you might get a game because of an injury yeah. and yeah it wasn't until the captain's run uh the dude i was meant to take over he pulled up <laughs> sweet yeah and um yeah all i remember it was about 10 to 5 in the afternoon. I was taking my kids to the park and, uh, yeah, BA rang me up and he told me, um, congratulations, I'm making my debut. Uh, the club will send one of your family members over from New Zealand, yep. Yep. but you've only got mm. 10 minutes because the lady at the office <laughs> finishes at, ten, at 5 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, man, and I, I was I was at a park that was about twenty minutes away from home. Yeah, and yeah. the only way to call oh, my no. family was my landline. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had to. I was rushing home, running all the red lights. And <laughs> I just managed to catch the lady, and um, yeah, that time was special for me because um, yeah, I just rang my mum. Yeah, and she at the time my mum was going through a hard time back in New Zealand, and yeah, just just to tell her to pack her bags and up and leave straight away yeah. was something special for her as well. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. That's awesome. So was it at home, the, the game? No, it was at, it was at um, Cronulla. Cronulla's oh, yeah. home game. Yeah. 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 And two tries, mate? Yeah, man, two tries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, something you'll was... never, never forget. Yeah, yeah, man. The, um, we'll move forward. You, you then went over to, to the Warriors for a year and uh, unfortunately didn't didn't uh, get a game in first grade there, but then an opportunity come up at, at Hull uh, and you, you really haven't looked back. You've, you've been pretty well a permanent fixture in the, in the first grade team there and 
just before we went on there, you, you spoke about, unfortunately, a, a little bit of an injury just before the, the lockdown because of the, the virus. But so far, I think it's 59 games there. And uh, mm-hmm. as I said, you're, you're a mainstay in that in that back line. And so how was that move made? Again, was that a, a tough decision to, to come over? Were there other clubs interested in the NRL or, or over in Super League? How, how did that all come about? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Really. Um, it was, uh, so I think I was meant to, like Hull was interested in me in 2017. And yep. I think I was still at Parramatta then. Hmm. Um, and I just felt like, you know, playing in Parramatta as much as I wanted uh, the um, opportunity to play more first grade games, but not trying to say anything, not saying it's a bad thing to play New South Wales Cup, but I felt like I was, I needed something new and yeah. Yeah. opportunities yeah. wasn't quite coming and. Yeah, I came to 2018 and early in the year, I signed to come to home. And oh, I was okay. still at um, Parramatta. Yep. And uh, we had a game against the Warriors about mid-year. And um, I knew the coach then. And I knew I was coming over to Hull. So I just asked him, is it okay if I can come play? If I'm going to play New South Wales Cup for Parramatta, yeah. is it all right if I can come play for Hughes? Yep. And just chill with my family before yeah. I come to the UK. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I I didn't. I don't know if my manager does it, like if he locked around or what he was doing, yeah. but yeah. I wouldn't know if there was anyone else interested. But yeah. just um, to get yeah. out of there and come come over and check yeah. this competition out was uh yeah I was more keen to do that than anything. Yeah. So it's basically a decision you made personally. You're going to play New South Wales Cup for Parramatta. Let's go back to New Zealand. I can see my family. Bang, bang, and I'm going to England. Pretty much, yeah. 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 I told... Um, yeah. I told Great decision. You know, any, any, everything I was doing, I was talking to the coaches, and yeah. the coaches pretty much told me, oh, if you want to do that, go on then. We're not, we won't stop you. But, yeah. you know, everyone was all, yeah. all good with yeah. that. Above board. Right, that, that's a really good point because there's a right way to go mm. about things and a wrong way. And that, Generally, if you do things the right way and be honest and, uh, you know, give your reasons, then, you know, 95% of the coaches that I know are, are going to do the right thing by the person. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the case with you, mate. And it's the way coaches should operate, you know. Everyone talks about putting the team first, and that, that's correct up to a point. But, uh, you know, the, the person is what, what is important, the most important in the end. So, yeah, it's just about being honest and open and not doing things behind people's back. That's when coaches and administrators and players, um, you know, get get upset when when it's done behind their back. So, yeah, it was a good lesson. You did things right there and, and things turned out the way you wanted. So, I that, that's well, a credit to you. Um, so it definitely didn't affect his footy, Kimbo. Because no, he made be. the interest. He made the Intrust Super Cup team of the year that year as well. Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah, Warriors at the Warriors. That's right. Yeah. How yeah. did they go that year, Beretta? Did they make the final to the Warriors New South Wales Cup team? Uh, they they were in the semis, and um, they lost. Yeah, they lost the semis. Yeah. Okay. Knocked out there. 
Yeah, the net, but yeah. still, still another good achievement. So, I, I want to touch on your representative career. So, you, you're a veteran of two World Cups, and I remember, yeah. um, yeah. Uh, and representing USA for those people who don't know, and that's because your your father is uh, has American Samoa um, heritage. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's a very was, uh, small island, isn't it, mate? What, what's the name of the island, the population there from, from where where your father's from? Uh, Olohenga. Um, yep. He was born there. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't even know the population, man, about a handful or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, I remember that 2013 World Cup, I, I actually um, – I was over here watching a few of the games, and I remember <laughs> a highlight for you, mate, in the last game against the Australians, and they were shifting it out the back line. I remember you jamming in and getting a great shot on Billy Slater. Um, <laughs> can you remember that? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, back then you tell wingers to, or like when you, you when you need a jam, then jam. But you just go at it. Yep. Man, that was a world stage then, and if I needed to make my name real quick. I had to yeah. do something. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I remember that. And was that. At that point, did you have the contract with Parramatta? Because that was, you know, the end of 2013, just after we we finished um, the the Queensland Cup with Mackay. So, had you signed before the World Cup, or was that performance in the World Cup, you know, a thing that caught people's attention as well? No, it was at um. So it was at the World Cup. I. I can't remember what order it went in, but it wasn't until the back end of the World Cup. I then got an agent. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think it was after that Australian game. Yeah. I got a phone call. But yeah. it was at, at the um, at the World Cup, um, we had a, you know, every every team gets, like, distributed a physio. And, uh, yeah. yeah. We had a physio that was from, um, from home. Okay. And he, he was getting messages from his head coach and trying to talk to me to stay after that World right. Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to stay if there was going to be no opportunities from um, yeah, Australia. from the NRL, yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah, yeah I, got a, I got a phone call from um, Brad Arthur one night. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since then, it was, uh, I was trying to get an agent and trying to get all that sorted out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting the whole the whole connection's been there a long long time then hasn't it? Uh, I think so. Eh? What I yeah, mm, yeah. I'd yeah. like to think it is. But it's a it's a great lesson. There's some really important things in there for for me um, as a coach, I guess, and trying to encourage young guys to do the hard yards and just persevere. And um, yeah, you, you're a guy who sort of took it upon yourself to to come and look for an opportunity by moving initially to Mackay and then, you, you know, you perform well and you got an opportunity at the next level. Then you've performed well at that level in Queensland Cup and gone on to some rep rep footy and done really well. And then you know, on the big stage in the World Cup, although for a, you know, a, a lower-ranked team, you've performed really well and that's then led to, to a shot at the big time. And you know, here you are now six or seven years later and, um, you know, still playing your trade in, in probably the, the second best competition in the world, but there's not much in it, you know. So, um, hey, you know, you're a credit to, to both 
hard work, looking for opportunities, taking those opportunities and uh, making the most of, of everything, or every chance you've been given. So I guess the next question is, what, what's in store over the next few years? You, you're starting to get on a little bit. What are you, 29 now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, 29. Um... So hopefully still a few years left to go at least, mate. And so how long are you contracted to with Hull? Um, what, what's your next step in, in this career? Uh, so, 21, 2021 is my last year over here. Yep. And, um, yeah, I've been doing a bit of um, education on the side, uh, sort of trying to prepare for my life after footy. Yep. Um, I'm trying to push towards that um, carpenter yeah, field nice. after this. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm just pretty much doing as much as I can do of that and the plan is moving forward in terms of my career is man just play till the wheels fall off man yeah mm. yeah when you you've this. finished your career where do you see yourself settling down you um, back in New Zealand or Australia or England what, what's your thoughts there uh yeah um at the moment um Back in New Zealand, uh, yep. I've got a lot of siblings and now they have a lot of kids and I've got a lot of nephews and nieces and I feel like all my times I've been missing out on, on weddings, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. all the gatherings mm. and all yeah. my kids have, um, you know, make up for a lot of lost time with yeah. their cousins and, yeah, yeah uh, my parents are still alive, so just to spend it with them. Yeah, yeah mm. definitely. Probably. Right, great yeah. stuff. We're, we're nearly finished, but we've got the best part to go. Sully, Sully does a 60 seconds with Sully, with all our interviewees. <laughs> so it's high-pressure stuff, mate. Um, 60 no, seconds it's not. Of, of your best, so I'll hand over to Sully. It's a couple of easy questions. Here we go. 60 seconds with Barita. Favourite <laughs> holiday spot? New Zealand. Oh, Favourite other sport? Oh. NFL. What can't you live without? Coffee. <laughs> oh, I like it. Greatest influence on your life? Uh, cartoon characters. <laughs> really? Favourite food? Uh, fish and chips. Oh, there you go. The favourite non-NRL competition and a team from that competition? Uh, can you say that again? Sorry. So, so your favourite non-NRL competition yeah. and yeah. the team from that comp. So a New Zealand comp or... Something like your favourite, your home home team back home. Oh, oh yeah, I'm going. I'm going to go um, Queensland Cup, and I'm going to go Mackay Cutters. That's oh, right. beautiful, beautiful. We've got ten seconds. Tick, tick, tick. If you're down to your last fifty dollars, how would you spend it? Uh, buy some beers. Go <laughs> sleep after that. <laughs> oh, mate, too shame. Okay. I've been waiting for someone to say that as well because that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, good stuff. Mate, some um, very interesting answers there. I love the cartoon characters one. I don't think we've had that before and I don't think we'll have that again. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And, um, yeah, 
thanks for your time, Maria. It's been been great to catch up again on a personal note. Uh, um, it's a pleasure, or has been a pleasure, watching your your career unfold. And yeah, as I said, going from one level to another, and um, I think a few years to go. Yeah, hopefully. We're looking forward to watching the rest of that. And uh, we'll catch up, mate, when the Giants play Hull next. Hopefully will, back on man. the paddock over here very soon. Yep, we will, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no, Thank you very much, mate. Yeah. All the best, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers, man. Okay, Sally, that was Beretta Ferremo. He's, uh, yeah, got a great, great story. And was, uh, I love listening to those different pathways that players have come through. And, the thing I like about Beretta is, uh, as you know, I've coached a lot of Polynesian um, athletes uh, over my time, and they're they're very much, or their priority in life is their family. And that was great to hear him talk about when the rugby league side of things are all over. That his priority is to get back to New Zealand, and spend time with his family. Yeah. yeah, we did bring that up, didn't we? We we highlighted that, and I just loved his 60 seconds with Sally. <laughs> <laughs> the cartoon characters. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> the, um, yeah, to, to wrap it up today, maybe we'll, um, we'll get to the bedtime story soon, but uh, I probably just wanted to, to reinforce, uh, I guess, a message we're, we're trying to get across with this podcast. It's certainly aimed at all ages, but I, I know we do have quite a few younger listeners and I, I certainly um, encourage my academy boys to listen to every episode because there's there's uh, some great lessons to be learned in life and all these guys have followed quite different pathways. Uh, that That's the really yep. interesting point for me. And uh, you know, Some guys have grown up in rugby league heartland, some have come from completely different backgrounds, but Probably the, the common characteristics is when when they've been given an opportunity, they've they've learned how to make the most of them, and uh, and they're learning as they go as well what it what it takes to to make it to the top and, and stay there. And yeah, if, if yeah. there's any message getting across to our our young listeners, it's about that perseverance and just grabbing life and taking those opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah, well, one of mine, Kimbo, as you know, you never, never go. Oh, you never, never know if you never, never go. Yeah, and yeah. That's that's one of my big ones. Yeah, and um, you just got to um. And one I told a good friend of mine many years ago. He played a bit of cricket. Yep. I think he's a coach of the Australian cricket team at the moment. Yeah. I sent him yep. a text once when he was he was he was struggling for a few runs. Yeah, and I just texted him. I said, "Mate, worry is like a rocking chair." You go back and forth, and you don't go anywhere. Yeah, I like it, Sally. And it's um, yeah, it's one of my favourite sayings. That one. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but as you say, and young kids, and as you say, everyone's had a bit of a, a story, which is um, Beretta was the same. You know what a laid, pretty laid back sort of yeah. character. He is, but yeah, yeah. But he made, as I say, we went through Interest Super Cup Team of the Year and New South Wales Cup Team of the Year. Played New South Wales residents, yeah. You know, and now he's got an opportunity at Hull FC, and as you say, he's one of the most popular blokes there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got every chance. If if we get back on the field this year, and he's contracted for next year, he, he should hit a hundred games. He's he's at fifty nine at the mm. moment um, with, with Hull, and as I outlined earlier, you play plenty of games <laughs> you in the season. Twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to. 
going to have the opportunity as long as we get back on the field reasonably soon this year. He'll come very close to 100 games over there by the end of next season. He stays injury-free and keeps up his great form. So that'd be a great achievement. And again, for someone who got their opportunity a little bit later um, and had to go looking for that opportunity, uh, it's a credit to him. I, I love that story. Uh, yeah, all, all the best. And he's a quality guy. So, yeah, I take my hat off to him. Well, Sully, absolutely. It could be that it's time, not, mate. I'm nearly ready. It's um getting on to nearly eight thirty, quarter to nine here in WA, and yep. um in my time, of course, I'm ready for a Kimbo bedtime story. Yeah, the, the bedtime story and the whole show I brought to our listeners by our sponsors. We we can't be remiss and forget about them. Sully's painting. You get much work over there. I bet they're flooding in after listening to these oh, podcasts, mate. Don't be. Just remember, don't be silly, call Sally. Yeah. <laughs> um, set play, performance, sportswear, all boys. And uh, hopefully, it looks like in Australia, may be getting back on the field in, in a variety of sports Just, sooner rather than later. So, yeah, if you need any gear for your team or individuals, oh. to get on the set play, performance, sportswear. And finally... Kimbo, Kimbo yep. if you can't find Boise, yep. go on his Facebook because he's in full training. I saw yes. yesterday a video. I can see that. He too. is in full back. And he'd be looking after the Warriors, wouldn't he, boys? Yeah, I, I initially thought those posts were in slow motion, but then when I went back and looked, it's just, no, that was just Boise. <laughs> he's got, a, <laughs> he's got he, a bit of work to do. <laughs> he'd be looking after the Warriors at Tamworth, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, Tamworth, yeah. Yep, that's right. They're all in camp there. And our, <laughs> our other sponsor, Trauma uh, Rugby League Recruitment, Luke Trauma, does a great job looking after players at all levels of our game and looks after a heap of other things. Anything to do with rugby league, get on the loop, he'll look after you. Um, my, my bedtime story, yeah, I'd like to um, relay a story about the... Um, I went out for a meal um, quite quite a number of years ago now. I was just out at a restaurant with a friend of mine, um, a male friend, just having a couple of beers and, and a feed, and uh, some young lady sat sat down at the table next to us and, uh, just by herself and didn't really take any notice of it. But at one point pretty early on, I heard it you know, making that noise when you're just about to sneeze. And um, I looked over and she looked. Just at that point, she let go of the sneeze, and you wouldn't believe it. Her eye popped out. She sneezed that hard. Her eye popped out and <laughs> went up in the air, and I just managed to, to grab it just before it hit the ground. And um, I handed it back to her, and she, it was obviously a glass eye. You know, and she's uh, cleaned it and put it back in her eye. And, um, you know, I didn't think much about it. And we finished our meal, and my mate got up to leave. And just as he left, the, the young lady... Uh, called out me and said, oh, you know, could I buy you a drink? I went, yeah, yeah, no worries. So I sat down next to her and went, you know, a little bit awkward. I didn't really want to ask about her eye, but uh, we had a couple of drinks and then she said, oh, um, you know, would you like to come back to my place, have another couple of drinks? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, no worries. So I paid up the bill, went back to her house, and we had another drink, you know, and um, um, she, like I said, she was quite attractive and I... Yeah, after a few drinks, I was getting a little bit old, so I said, well, you know, well, you mind if I ask a question? You know, did, did you really find me attractive or something? And she went, well, to be honest, you did catch my eye. 
True story. Oh, you get a cop out. You get a you get a cut. True story, please. <laughs> All the bedtime stories oh, are true, Sally. Yeah. No, anyway. that's right. Well, that I'm yeah. not sure about that one. Though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. On that very oh, high note, bye, again, we'll wrap it up for this week. Thanks for our listeners. We're uh, we're really enjoying putting on the on the show for everyone. I hope you're enjoying the interviews, and uh, we'll keep this going as long as we're still enjoying it, Sally. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Look after yourself over there in Western Australia and, uh, yeah, we look forward to catching up with everyone again next week. So thanks, Sully. We'll see. We'll talk to everyone next week. Stay safe.